So when we talk about birth, um, many of us like to think about it. Think about getting born and developing and being born many, many times. Um, this brings happiness into many people's hearts. But Mbucha said that with birth comes everything else. And there's old age and there's sickness, especially when we get on in years, uh, the body can grow very ill. So from this birth comes aging as well. It's just that initially we may not see the pain of this body very clearly. But really our bodies are composed of cells. And when uh, all these cells are born and then they decay, and the new cells come to replace them. And when there are more new cells than those that die, we call this growth, and we can see the body growing. But as we age, this evens out, and the number of cells that are born and the number that die um, are the same number. But as we carry on getting older, the scales tip the other way, and the number of cells that die outnumber those that are born. And we can see the body then start to degenerate. We see clearly that it gets painful as it ages. Our bodies are entirely composed of cells. There's over a million of them. All of our organs, the lungs, the heart, the kidneys, the liver, the bones, all of these are composed of cells. Our skin, all of the strands of hair that we have. So with birth comes old age and pain. And these arrive together. But we just don't see it clearly because all we're able to perceive with our physical eyes are these physical forms that we have. We aren't able to see the changing nature on the level of cells. So having all of these cells, we should use them. Use them to uh, work, to build up goodness. Having gained these cells from our mother and father, uh, then we bring benefits to our lives uh, with them. Because if we don't have wisdom, then after the points of birth, we don't really do much with our lives. We just study, then go off to work, just live day by day. Lumpur Cha said that people who live their lives in this way are no different to chickens. After being born, they uh, follow their mum to find food, and they forage uh, throughout the entire day until it's evening. And they do this day after day. Many humans are like this as well. We just go out and find food, get money so that we can eat and survive till the next day. And then we come back home and rest, wake up and go out to work again. And we do this day by day until we die. And there's no benefit that comes from a life lived in that manner. There's no difference 
between us and animals in that case. However, many, many people in the world live their lives in this way. Even though they have the bodies of humans, uh, their hearts aren't to that level because they act like animals. And some people can act even worse ways. They go out and get drunk, they gamble, they cheat one another. Many problems arise in their lives because of these unwholesome actions. But for those who have intelligence, they'll use this collection of four elements to study, to be of benefit, to use their time well, to bring up efforts and use their wisdom uh, to live their lives in wholesome manners through uh, sama ajiwa, through right livelihood. People who live their lives in this way um, bring up great benefits in the space of just one lifetime. So having gained this life, this body, we use that to develop goodness. Being able to talk, we should use that faculty to chant. If we can walk, then we walk in meditation. And when we work, we do that with mindfulness. We use the time that we have now um, to bring us benefit, to bring us goodness, before our lives start to degenerate. Because they're not sure, and we don't know when they will start to decay. And some people at the age of just 20 or 30, they get heart disease. Many people after the age of 50 get it. For myself, uh, my heart started giving me problems at the age of 60, and I was at risk of dying. I went into the doctors and they gave uh, shock treatment, and that was very risky treatment. And then I went to see another doctor in Surirat Hospital in Bangkok, and he was shocked with the medicine that I was given by another doctor. He said it was like they gave me two sharp knives to stick into me, because these medicines that they prescribed, uh, when they're taken together, they're very, very dangerous. They can be life-threatening. And so this doctor was, uh, he couldn't believe that I was given both of these medicines to take together. But I didn't know. I just had faith in the doctor that he knew what he was talking about. I was lucky that I, I was able to survive that. Also, when I went in for surgery, that was dangerous as well, because if they applied too much pressure uh, to the needles or the equipment that they were using, um, I could have died or if they'd found a blood clot uh, while they were doing the surgery, they would have had to have just stopped. Like There was nothing that they could have done further to help me. And I well could have uh, become bedridden uh, after that. So some people go for the same surgery and the doctors uh, find a clot and there's nothing that they can do for them after that. They have to spend the rest of their life with this heart disease. And it's very difficult uh, for them to live their lives further. Some people from a young age uh, get heart disease. We see that this is 
a sickness that comes from kamma. Others get aneurysms, uh, which causes them to lose mobility. And their brain sends a signal to their body, but their body doesn't respond in the way it used to. Even though they may, as a, a monk who gets this, uh, may just be 50 or 60 years old, uh, they're called lumpo, they're called venerable grandfather. Even though it's normally monks who are much older, they get called that. Because their bodies uh, seem uh, very decrepit. So while we have strong bodies, we use them to sit meditation, walk meditation, to cultivate our minds, and do this each and every day. When we have the energy to walk meditation, then we use that opportunity, because now our bodies are strong. We use them to train our minds. We chant, we meditate, and bring up energy in the practice. For many of the people who have come here, they could have just been sleeping at home, at ease. But instead, they have sacrificed that ease to travel all the way to the monastery to offer food. And some people have come from very far away. When I was a layperson, I also did this. I would get up in the morning and uh, start cooking rice, and then offer that uh, to the monks on arms round, along with some curry that I bought. Then I'd go sit meditation and cultivate skillful mind states. Some people's houses are very far from the monastery, but they're willing to drive all this way. And they can use that time in the car with benefit as well, listening to the Dhamma or chanting, having mindfulness as they're sitting in the car. Some sometimes it's that the children follow their parents in creating goodness. And other times it's the parents who follow their children. I tried to encourage my mother to offer alms food every day, but she always had something else that was uh, getting in the way that prevented her from doing that. It was only after I ordained that she started to think of me, started uh, to wonder what my life was like, become concerned for me living in the northeast of Thailand, wondering whether I had enough food to eat and whether that food was nutritious or not. So with me on her mind, uh, she gained the inner faith, the energy, uh, to offer food to the monks who passed by her house each day. And this was the cause for her developing this goodness after I ordained. So that's quite a common thing for when monks ordain, their parents, their mother, their father, uh, increase the amount of goodness that they do. It's not that monastics just pull their parents close to the Buddha's dispensation just before death. But really, we should be pulling them in uh, while they still have life and while they're still strong and healthy. In doing this, their children, their son, who is a monk, is opening up the path to heaven for them by increasing their faith, by giving them 
the encouragement and energy to uh, be generous, to create goodness. So this energy that we have in our hearts, the enthusiasm we have is something that's very important. It can uh, give parents the uh, inspiration to offer food every single day, to develop goodness. But if we didn't have the Sangha, if there weren't awakened beings, if we didn't have the teachings of uh, these awakened beings, we didn't have their Dhamma talks, we didn't have the teachings of the Buddha or the suttas, if the goodness of the Buddha, the Dharma and Sangha wasn't around, then would we know how to do these things? Would we know about goodness? Would we know about merit? There wouldn't be any awakened beings here today if the Buddha wasn't enlightened. So how would we know about these things? Our lives would be very dark, like someone who couldn't see, a blind man lost in a forest, or lost on a dangerous mountain. And when any harm uh, came to them, they wouldn't be able to escape death. So without the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, we wouldn't know the path to heaven. We wouldn't know how to close the gates to the path to the deprived states. We wouldn't know how to bring about peace in our minds. So we can't find anything uh, that can compare to the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. But the triple gem is limitless. In order for the Buddha to come and become awakened, he had to create uh, great amounts of Bharami. And he had a lot of his own kamma that he had to overcome. There was one time uh, during one of the Buddha's previous lives that he was on a ship and there was a giant who was also on that boat. And this giant was going to kill all of the other passengers, uh, but the Buddha managed to catch him. And he knew that in order to save all the passengers, he had to kill this giant. The giant told him, however, that in the future, when the Bodhisattva was going to become the fully awakened Buddha, uh, if he killed this giant now, then he would shorten his lifespan uh, as the Buddha by 20 years. Instead of living for 100 years, he'd only live for 80 years. But the Buddha felt like he needed to kill this giant because otherwise all these other people would uh, come to their demise. But this is an issue of the body, however. Um, but in terms of the mind, the Buddha had the Bharami to become enlightened. Uh, a long, long time ago. The Bodhisattva even uh, took birth in the hell realms many, many times for the sake of all beings. We can think for ourselves that there are occasions when we have helped others with a purity of heart, 
just wanting to benefit them, not wanting anything back in return. But those occasions are probably quite few. For the Buddha, however, he sacrificed so much for the benefit of all beings. So that he could uh, take this final life and become the fully self-awakened Buddha, one with no equal in the three worlds. So the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha are limitless in their goodness. If we are people with intelligence, then we'll also have faith in the Triple Gem. There are some people who have great external wealth, but they don't have much faith or any faith at all. But if we um, have this sata in the Buddha, that means we have a lot of merit, we have a lot of internal wealth. And it shows that we have created uh, the causes for this in the past. So we should contemplate the Dhamma very frequently. And I was asked a question from someone overseas who said that their father doesn't have any faith and they don't believe that they are arahants uh, who are in existence these days. This person also said that uh, they think that the Buddha's path is too slow and they want the quick route, they want the fast way. But that's really not difficult if we want it fast. The shortcut is to not do anything at all. And this is what Lumpur Cha taught. That if you want it fast, then don't do anything. Just let go of absolutely everything. But when I heard that, I was very confused. I heard him say that we should let go of all things. But if we can't do that, then what do we do? And how is that quick? If we can't let go, then what do we do to be able to let go? We need to practice, we need to train. And then slowly we'll be able to let go, little by little. We develop virtue and generosity. We bring our minds into samadhi. And then when they can come into samadhi, we're able to let go to one degree. And after that, wisdom arises and we can let go some more. There was a student, a university student, who asked Lumpucha this question. He said that he wanted the quick route. So Lumpucha responded that the fastest way is to let go of everything, is to do nothing. But I was confused by that answer. I was thinking that it's not easy to do it because it's impossible to do. So that's what this person from uh, overseas uh, wanted to know. I said that the teachings uh, of the Buddha are too slow. They didn't understand that the Buddha, uh, the inner Buddha, this nature of awakening arises within our own heart. Those people who are blind, when they take care of their eyes until they're able to see, then they'll be able to receive light and see all the things around them. But someone who's blind and claims that everything outside is dark, 
Well, it's just not right for them to say that. So we can see that there was someone who didn't have much faith in Buddhism, but they were still asking how they could uh, give their father some faith. But for us all who have come here, we do have this sata, and that's a great form of goodness within our hearts. We've come to the monastery um, to create this goodness, this merit. And some people have had to go through difficulty to get here, had to wake up very early, travel a long way. But the more difficult it is to come, the more merit it is once we've arrived. Because we have to bring up a lot of energy, we have to uh, travel a long distance. And that's a lot of goodness that we're creating in doing that. We also have uh, this kusala, skillfulness, that cares for our hearts as well. That we're able to develop skillful states is because of the goodness of the Buddha, the fully awakened Buddha who became enlightened for the sake of all beings. So we should feel proud, for all of us, that we've had this opportunity to meet with the Buddha's teachings. <laughs> we've been born into a land that the Buddha's, Buddha's dispensation is thriving. And in a country that uh, the king is Buddhist and takes care of the religion. So we cultivate uh, our virtue, our samadhi. These are very important qualities. And also generosity is very important as well. These all form goodness that we can recollect later on. And then we try and come and practice, um, bringing up skillful states. And do this as much as we can in this life while we have the opportunity, before we're just bedridden in a hospital <coughs> with various diseases. <coughs> maybe we'll get diabetes, maybe we'll get cancer. And it's very difficult to practice, to cultivate goodness, while we're confined to a hospital bed. <clears throat> but there are some who can be in that state and still feel internally at ease. I once went to visit a monk who was sick in the hospital, um, but he was fine. His heart was in a very good place. And it shows that he had a lot of merit. He had a lot of faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. So all of us should contemplate into the nature of life and death, that having been born, we need to meet with old age, sickness and death. So before our bodies start to decay, we should develop our hearts to the highest level. So may you all grow in the Dhamma. <laughs>